Welcome to the Customer Experience Podcast. We're here for one reason, getting you closer to your customers. Some of the biggest companies in the world have evolved their strategic focus so they're genuinely and empathetically solving their customers' problems every day. The organizations that build those deep and trusting relationships, really getting intimate with their customers, outperform others in their industry. Each episode, the Customer Experience Podcast will help you and your organization take one step closer to that relationship. Welcome to show number one. I'm Nick Sargent, Vice President of Standing Partnership, a growth consulting firm that solves companies' biggest customer and revenue challenges. Hello, and I am Mike Chandler, founder of Alpha Leonis Consulting and a fractional customer experience leader for a number of companies today. What Mike's not going to tell you, but but I will on his behalf, is that he's helped some of the biggest and most complex companies in the entire world with their customer experience challenges. We're really lucky to have his insight and his knowledge uh, to be shared on this podcast. And as this podcast evolves, we're going to be sharing that with all of you. So where we're going to start today is answering the, the most simple question and one that I think a lot of people have, and that's what is CX? And we're going to start it by, by defining what it's not. This year, 60% of customers surveyed by Hotjar in its annual State of the Customer Experience Survey said that they had increased their CX spending in 2019. And uh, in all likelihood, that's going to get even higher in 2020. Now, for consultants like me and Mike, that probably sounds like a, a good thing. More interest in CX, more dollars to spend, but it comes with its own challenges because not everybody understands what CX means, or at least they don't agree agree on it. Isn't that right, Mike? Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to, to customer experience and, and what it really means, I think one of the, the things that we first hear, or we first see is that people think about it from their customer service center perspective, that it's the those frontline folks that are taking the calls or are meeting customers at the, at the front door, that that's how they define customer experience. Why is that not exactly right? So I think it's an interesting uh, topic. And I think a lot of companies start with service and support. And, you know, overall, it absolutely makes up a big portion of that customer experience. I'd say 50, 60 percent of that. And, and you look at stats from like Bain and Company, where a customer's four times more likely to leave a brand or a product or a service if it's poor service or support related versus price or product performance related. And, you know, I think you can relate to that in your daily life, right? You walk away from a number of services after some bad customer service, or you call in for a support issue or a service need, get poor customer service, get bounced around, no one calls you back, they don't resolve your issue, and you're like, I've had enough, right? So I think it's certainly relatable, and you can put it in your daily life when you think about how you interact with, you know, things out there today. I, I think the the biggest problem with service and support today is a little bit of a different topic for another podcast, but it's a lot of companies wind up putting it on the books as an expense. And those companies that do that also metric their employees and their outcomes on volume versus quality. So number of calls closed per day, amount of revenue closed per day, except, and they, they forget the lifetime value, they forget the retention, they forget the the resolution to an issue or problem, right? And I think that, um, you know, you, you also mix that with companies focusing too much on high and hiring high turnover labor or cheaper labor in these roles, which completely negates the approach of being customer centered, having more time with a customer, solving their issues more rapidly, 
more effectively. It, it, it sounds like it's all about measure what you want to manage, right? Yes. Uh, we hear that a lot from from executives that say that say that 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 sort of thing. If you're asking your customer service folks to get through calls as quickly as possible, or uh, yeah, if you're not paying them to be your front and center, the the people who are representing your company and your brand, what are you really asking for? Uh, I, I think we see this a lot where companies put customer service in their values or that their mission is to be customer focused. But what you say and what you do are, are two totally different things. And and that's I'm hearing from you is it, when it comes to the customer service center, that's where it can first start to show up. Absolutely. And again, it's it's no doubt it's, you know, call it 50 or 60 percent, like I said, of the customer experience. But then when you talk about what else it isn't or what I hear a lot of companies define it as, um, they come back to the the digital user experience, the website, um, or the user experience of a product, right? And and again, this is I'll state that that performance of a product or ease of engaging in a service or dealing with the customer experience that you have on a website, on an application, a mobile app, uh, absolutely makes up another big significant portion. But you know what I find with companies where they focus that attention is putting lipstick on the pig, right? They will invest heavily in a new technology tool, a CRM, an ERP, a marketing website, but they, they forget that in order to provide good customer experience, they need to streamline their business processes, remove policies that create, make it difficult for a customer to return things, to interact, right? Or they just flat out don't hire the right people. They don't take the time to train those people. And, and so ultimately, you hear, you know, digital user experience or that being our customer experience focus. And at the end of the day, companies really need to understand that, you know, those interactions in digital are really just a delivery mechanism to take their products and services to new markets, to new customers it is not the customer experience at the end of the day. I, it, it, it's so true. And we see this all the time where companies are, are, are misled. I, I hear this. We work with marketing and sales teams all the time. And I, I think I see it there the most is, hey, if it was just easier, if our website was just easier to use, we'd sell so much more product. Why can't we be the Amazon of widgets, right? Why can't my team just or why can't my customer just go on and jump on and buy what they need that way? We're going to have a much better relationship or you know, our competitor has an app. When are we going to get an app? Or let's get the CRM up and running. Let's spend millions of dollars. But nobody actually changes the functioning of the CRM to what the company actually needs, to what the salespeople need, to what the customer service team needs to be able to really engage the customer on what they need. They invest all of this. They expect the technology to solve the problem. Yep. But it really it needs more uh, management on, on the back end. What does it take to to manage that change effectively. You know, I, I do think marketing automation tools for marketers, CRMs for, for sales teams, there's some really powerful customer insight tools that exist out there. There is some value there, but what does it take? What's the process or how should someone think about that? If they're already down the line, they're in the RFP process, they're thinking about buying some of these tools, what maybe does, does an executive need to keep in mind before they make that investment? What needs to be in place before that, that can actually work? I think simply put, the executive team needs to understand if they're capable in delivering on that today 
whether that's in a value stream or a business process, but they ultimately need to assess how capable are they doing some said business process or business capability uh, ahead of selecting a tool or a technology stack to, you know, accelerate that. Great. And, you know, I, we see this with the, the, the CRMs too, is sales team is encouraged to use some new CRM. What is it that you actually want them to do to, to get better relationships with the customers? You got to make sure that you're measuring that in, in there. What's the, the satisfaction level of the customer? Are you measuring win-loss rate? And then if you're measuring those losses, why are they losing? What, what are those trends that you can see? Uh, I think there's a lot of times where you're trying to spin something like that up you don't necessarily put those that functionality in there or you're not planning on measuring it. And it maybe it shows up in the notes section, maybe it shows up somewhere else, or you're hoping anecdotally the sales teams are going to come back to you and say, hey, this is why we're losing these sorts of customers. But until you use those tools to their full capacity, maybe you're not going to see those things. We know that customer experience, it's not just the support center. It's not just the user experience of your digital tools. It's not just using the digital tools that exist. I'm going to uh, hit on three more letters, uh, VOC. And I know that that, uh, that can be three letters that, that, that starts to make you grimace a little bit when, when, that, when it comes up when we're talking about CX. But why isn't customer experience or, or what's the limitations when it comes to, to voice of the customer when we're talking about customer experience? Why is that such a, a sticking point for you when we're talking about customer insight? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So I think a lot of companies have interacted with, they talk about their, their great survey process and their net promoter score and the voice of the customer surveys that they run annually, annually or quarterly, right? And I believe that those insights are interesting, but not sufficient to take action on, right? And... I think you have to, uh, you know, literally in more real time, be listening to that customer voice from a multitude of sources and putting action in place to act upon that. And so, you know, the, the question is, is how do you really understand the underserved need of a customer where you promise something yesterday and don't deliver it today and you're falling short versus that unmet need of a customer, meaning there's an opportunity to meet that customer with a need that they don't have from a competitor or the marketplace today. And, you know, unfortunately, those VOC surveys that wind up being, you know, three months out, a year out, think about that. You're measuring at a point in time, you're asking for a customer's feedback at a point in time, it's lagging, and it's not insightful. So you're likely to recommend us or your satisfaction is high. Well, maybe I just had a great interaction with your service team or your sales team two weeks later previously, or maybe I didn't. So that point in time really becomes a lagging indicator. And, and ultimately, you know, those surveys are great for kind of understanding your relational value with a customer. But the modern businesses of today really have to collect that feedback and that near real-time perspective from a post-interaction survey that's a simple, was it satisfactory, what was your level of effort, down to collecting feedback and, and insight from what a service center call was about, what a support call was about, and then stitching that together into some kind of action-oriented, take-action approach. And that requires a lot of skill, a lot of capability. It requires technology and funding. It's not just that survey that gets you there. You know, I would imagine a lot of executives would say, hey, that sounds great. 
for a company that's having lots of customer service problems. But that's not us. We do our, our, our voice of the customer survey, and we find out that you know 80% of our customers would go and promote us to, uh, to their friends. If we asked them for a recommendation, they would make it. Why do I need, why am I going to spend all of this time and all these resources putting in all these little checks and measures to, to find these pain points when our customers are telling us in this voice of the customer survey, we're doing great. Why would we change? Yeah, I think that's a, well, I think ultimately at the end of the day, customers do not survey how they behave. Talk a little bit more about about what that means. Well, if you think about it, when you take a survey yourself, do you answer it truthfully every time or do you stretch the truth a little bit or kind of glaze over some feedback and soften it up? Most people do. And, and when you're asking people for information and insight, it's very hard for them to articulate their needs or discuss problems and opportunities in a survey format. And, and it ultimately, it's just a known fact that people do not behave the way they survey or under a microscope. And um, that's just human nature. Yeah, it seems like a lot of companies think, all right, if somebody, if something's really painful, if something's really affecting our business, we'll hear it from our customers. They'll call in, they'll tell us, they'll get really angry and complain. And maybe that's true to a certain extent, but uh, I think I read a statistic that 89% of people said that they had changed companies or that they had gone to a competitor after a bad customer experience. Not everybody is going to raise their hand. Not everybody's going to come in and, and bang their fist on the counter and say, I demand a refund or I'm really upset about this. Uh, and they're not necessarily going to, to, to your point, they're not necessarily going to show up in a survey and say, oh, nine months ago, I was really mad about you, about something. Right. They're probably not going to answer that survey. They're not going to get it because they've blocked leave. you out. Right, exactly. And, and now... Um, and now you're, you're trying to follow back up with them. You've probably missed your opportunity to, to, to fix the problem. So what does that investment start to look like for a company that wants to start to, to dive into, into something like this, where they're getting closer to their customer, where they're starting to, to do that sort of insight? What needs to happen to be able to have those multiple touch points with customers to understand their experience? Yeah, so I think you have to you first have to define based on that customer journey, where those true moments of truth are for a customer. What provides the, what can create the most friction in their life that says, okay, I'm ready to move on. What are those, those bright points, those moments of truth that kind of retain and keep a customer or pushes them to the cliff of saying, I've had enough and I'm ready to move on. You have to go through that process of journeying out your segments and your personas and, and understanding by customer type where those points in someone's purchasing journey and servicing and, and support journeys and renewal journeys, where those points lie uh, based on some research, both qualitative and quantitative, and then identifying what measures are needed, KPIs, to track that. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, once we get this information, the hardest thing for companies is what do we do with it? I can't tell you the number of companies I've walked into and this insight sits in a, a research book and it's collecting dust on the shelf, literally. And it's because the companies forget to instill and implement a continuous improvement approach. So let's assume we've got some insight coming in after a purchase interaction that it was difficult to purchase, couldn't find what I was looking for, and the purchase time or the, the cart time, if you will, took too long. Okay, that's interesting. 
let's put a continuous improvement team in place to go in and deep dive into that. So our quick survey approach after that interaction tells us that something's wrong. Then we launch a continuous improvement team in to go in and really explore the deep pain behind that and find ways to act upon what we hear. So there's a couple of pieces of that. One, you just absolutely want to close out where you can resolve customer pain at point of contact. That's the first rule. The second is figure out what you need to measure, measure it. Once you get enough data that says, hey, in a month we were having some issues in this area, get really, really good at continuous improvement. It's a cornerstone of Amazon, of Disney, continuous improvement with the lens of customer experience is probably one of the biggest and most difficult implementations for the companies I deal with. I, I think this is a good place for us to transition. We know now that customer experience is not the user experience online. It's not just the customer support center. And it's not just the voice of the customer. It's not just serving. It, there's a lot there to it. And it sounds like what you're saying is when it comes to customer experience, is you really need everyone in the organization to be a part of it. So can you talk to everyone listening, what is customer experience? What does that really mean, particularly when organizations want to take that transformation to the next level or, or take customer experience to the next level in their organization? So I think that's a difficult, uh, simple definition, but I'll do my best for that. I think, you know, simply put at the end of the day, customer experience is the way that customers interact with a company. And think about that, the way they interact with a company, with your brand, your products, your services. At every stage, from awareness and decisioning to buy, to purchasing, to accepting delivery or getting delivery or starting a service, to having questions and issues about a service, to accessing and using a service or a product, and deciding to buy more or renew and depart. So when you think about all of those interactions that could occur, they could be negative or positive overall. You could have a death by a thousand cuts and a lot of negative interactions that cause you to leave or a couple big ones around product or service performance, around a support and service issue that cause you to leave. But you have to think about that, that there's a lot of employees in that that deal with the customer. You might have restrictive company policies that I mentioned earlier that are preventing you from providing a good customer experience on a return or a service need. You might have an ill-designed website, right? A website that's not intuitive, difficult, can't find what I'm looking for. Or you've got a partner or a distributor in between you and your customer who messes up the entire experience on your behalf or at your behalf. And so I think you have to just step back. And when you look at customer experience as a strategic driver, that's why it's so encompassing, because it's from the beginning of awareness to the renewal and depart journey. It involves all of those stakeholders in between you, tools, technologies, and people that can go wrong. The, the, the tools and the, the technology, the support center, the, the UX, the, the voice of the customer, the insights, those are all sort of enablers of the overall customer experience. When you are going and working with an organization and you see them maybe sort of stuck focusing on one of these enablers or a building block of, of customer experience, how do you start to talk about taking a step back to seeing the, the whole problem? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think stepping back is is the first, the first approach and, and don't get hung up in the inertia of going after one of these tactical enablers, right? And it, it's always about where does CX live in an organization? 
what's the perspective of the topic. So for example, is customer experience or customer intimacy as it's known, is it that chosen competitive differentiation strategy for the company? Is the C-suite and the CEO focused on that? Or are they more concerned with operational excellence or product leadership as it's known as the driver? That's pretty telling because you know, to win at either price or custom, you know, customer solutions has two different very implications on an organization. And, and while more than one competitive business strategy can exist, you look at someone like at Southwest started more as OpEx and they've done really well at customer experience. They're adequate at customer experience, but they've scaled their company on operational excellence. Everything about them is cookie cutter from the type of plane, so it's a type of mechanic, very simple, right? But, it, but they've still done a good job of setting the customer expectations to say, hey, you are going to get a very affordable ticket. You're going to have a very consistent experience. You're going to know exactly when you get in that line and you're A45, what that's going to be like. You know, when you get on the plane, exactly what it's going to be like. You know, when you talk to a, a flight attendant or a pilot, exactly what that experience is going to be like. So even though they've really focused on squeezing as much cost out of everything to make it profitable, they've still done it without completely losing sight of, of the customer. Right. But if I get the story correct from Southwest, and I might be off a little bit here, but they were down to three planes at one point and they scaled on operational excellence. And over the past 10 years, they've focused on customer centricity. So the key is, is to be able to focus. And, and again, this is where you got to step back with the C-suite and really figure out where are we positioning ourselves? What does customer experience mean to us? And maybe we need to be adequate at it for now. And we're going to scale on operational excellence or product performance. It's picking a corner to get really, really good and provide clarity to the organization so that you're not trying to you know, boil the ocean at the end of the day. So even if a, a company has gone down that operational excellence line and done a really good job there, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't start to, to have this customer experience focused and, right. and, and be able to, to do both. That's right. Being adequate at the customer experience and excellent at OpEx or product leadership or things of that nature. I, I think the, the key is then if a company comes back to your original question and ultimately says that customer experience is our competitive business strategy. It's how we're gonna differentiate in the marketplace. And, and the C-suite owns it, that's really important in this. The C-suite and the CEO have to own it at that level for it to be a strategic driver. It, it ultimately becomes the way in which you prioritize your products and services, what you put into market, how you go to market, the business capabilities you invest in, how you organize and incentivize your employees, again, maybe quality metrics over quantity metrics. And as mentioned previously, it's how you build your continuous improvement system around customer feedback. And, and I would leave you with then, it truly then becomes the transformation lens, if you will, and the continuous improvement lens for the company. So it's much more strategic in, in the way we operate, the culture, the drive, 
as opposed to this little program or voice of the customer survey over in the corner in a department. That seems why, uh, to, to touch back, to circle back to, to, to where you started with this, if it's this organizational change, that seems like that's why it needs to come from the top, why it's so important to have executive buy-in and, and executive sponsorship. Can you talk a little bit about what it looks like if you don't have that and you're trying to make these changes? Sure. I mean, if if a CEO and and sweet C-suite team, excuse me, are focused on, let's say, an operational excellent approach and they want to lean out cost. Well, what did we talk about earlier? Customer service and support is a cost. How do we reduce that 10% year over year as the CFO and COO's directive? And so just back to that original discussion, if we're going to continue to cut down and reduce operational cost of service and support, but we've got some middle level management wanting to be customer focused, those two things are at odds because we're going to have a CFO and a COO constantly driving down costs, finding more junior talent, finding ways to offload and put self-service tools in place, which sometimes work or don't work, but it completely erodes just that idea of embracing the customer and bringing them, them along. So when you've got that misalignment at the top and that example of just customer service and support, it creates a lot of friction in the organization. If you've got a middle level of management trying to be customer centered and the top level being OPEX and leaning out costs. Because let's face it, companies like Amazon started off non-profitable for their first five to 10 years. Now being customer centered since they started, give credit to Jeff, they will, if hit their trajectory, be a 20, or a, by 2025, a $1 trillion company being customer-centered and not you know, swaying from that focus. So it, it sounds like having a CX focus, having OpEx focus, having those priorities going on at the same time can cause conflict within an organization. They can be diametrically opposed. So what are those mindsets and beliefs that an executive team needs to have to make a, a CX initiative successful? Sure. So I think at a strategic level um, and at the end of the day, customer experience is really an enterprise customer engagement and retention strategy, right? Uh, It's something that assumes that that C-suite truly believes that retaining a customer is far more valuable and cheaper than acquiring a new one. Secondly, it's a a formal belief that the C-suite Uh, and in the practice of their operations, that customer service and support is more of an asset, not just an expense. We've talked about that two or three times so far. And I would say that it's also a a mindset and strategic directive that competing on customer experience over price and product performance will win in the end. And uh, finally, if you think about that, it's a strategic focus from the C-suite that ultimately believes that the lifetime value of retaining your customers and delivering on your promises will far outreach that initial transactional sale. Again, not to overuse them, but someone like Amazon spending billions of dollars in that last mile delivery approach where they're putting their own delivery network in place because FedEx and UPS is not delivering on their two-day promise. The amount of money they're putting into fulfillment centers and their major markets, they're not reaping benefit off of that immediately. They're doing that because they know that that immediacy, access to an endless shelf of a million products within close proximity, being delivered same day in a couple of years within four hours, the immediacy of the customer need is going to drive 
and that access to product is going to drive their lifetime value of retaining a satisfied customer versus winning them immediately over some transactional war between Walmart or Newegg or you know Amazon or whoever you want to throw out there as a competitor. There's a lot there to, to, to chew on, and it sounds like something that we can dive deeper on uh, in, in a lot of areas. And each of those mindsets and beliefs as we move forward with the podcast, I think that those are some great topics there. And I think that's a, a great place for us to stop today and also ask our, our listeners, what do you want to hear about? What does customer experience mean to you? And what are those things that you're doing in your organizations to get closer to your customers? If you have thoughts, ideas that you'd like to share with us, topics that you'd like to, us to touch on in future episodes, reach out. Let us know. Uh, you can find both me and Mike Chandler on LinkedIn, or you can email us. Nick Sargent, N Sargent, N S A R G E N T at standingpartnership.com, or you can reach Mike at M Chandler, C H A N D L E R, at alpha leonis.consulting, A L P H A L E O N I S.consulting. We're going to use your feedback and your questions to inform how we move forward with all of our content, including blogs white papers, ebooks, and future podcasts, wherever we decide to, to take all of this. So on behalf of everyone in the room today, I'd like to thank you for listening to episode number one. I'm Nick Sargent. And Mike Chandler. And we'll talk to you next time.